Do you ever worry? If you're telling yourself, no, I've never worried. I'm guessing you're probably in a minority. Uh, it's a very common problem, anxiety or worry. Maybe a bigger problem for some people than other people. You know, if you kind of look at a worry spectrum, you may have, you worry all the time about everything. Maybe the end of the spectrum, you never worry. And then down the continuum of, I worry sometimes, depending on the situation, how life's going. But uh, worry is a very common problem. It is common as anxiety or worry is, it's probably one of the most counterproductive things that we can do. There's an old saying that worrying is like being in a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. How should Christians approach the problem of worrying, and what can we do about it? Anxiety is the distress about future uncertainty events. It's characterized by mental agitation and uneasiness. It may be mild or severe. Mainly, we're concerned about what may happen in the future. It could be distant or it could be in the near future. Worry or anxiety may be caused by real or imagined threats. We feel vulnerable. We feel like we're inadequately protected against these threats. And what do we worry about? We worry about health problems. We worry about work. Getting a job. Keeping a job. Losing a job. We worry about money. We worry about school. We worry about our congregation. It's just endless of the things that we can find to worry about. Worry or anxiety has three main elements. Insecurity, something bad is going to happen. Helplessness, there's nothing I can do. Isolation, there's no one to help me. Those causes may operate individually or they may be in some combination. Emotionally, the way we feel, there is as much worry or anxiety as if those threats are real or we're just imagining them. It's the same effect on us. They may be real or they may be imagined. I took one psychology class in college and I only remember one thing from the entire class. I went to college in the late 70s, so don't think I'm, my memory's that bad. Uh, there was a story. A man got in an abandoned rail car at a train depot station. And he got in there, and somehow he got locked in. And he looked up, and he saw these signs that said, Warning! Danger! Extreme low temperature in the freezer compartment. The panic set in. Worry set in. Later on, they found that guy, and he was dead. And he had symptoms similar to frostbite, but the freezer wasn't working, 
and the rail car temperature was normal. How we think about things matters a great deal. Bookstores and bestseller lists are crammed with self-help books and instruction manuals on how to fix this, how to fix that. But as Christians, we know our best self-help book is the Bible, that it's the best instruction manual, that it's from our Creator and it's from our Designer. As we're reading our Bible this morning, I will be reading out of the New American Standard Version. Uh, it'll say, do not be anxious. It won't say, do not worry, but those uh, mean the same. Uh, let's go ahead and read over again what Chris read for us earlier. Um, Matthew 6, chapter 25-34. For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life, as to what you shall eat, or for what you shall drink, nor for your body, as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the air, that they do not sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your holy Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to your lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the fields grow, and they do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon, our glory, did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so raised the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Do not be anxious in saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what we shall clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In verse 25, verse 31, verse 34, it said, do not worry, or depending on your translation, do not be anxious. My take on those verses when Jesus says, do not worry or do not be anxious, I think he means do not worry or do not be anxious. We understand do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not lie. Here we have Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount telling us, do not worry. I'm guessing Jesus knew we'd have a tendency to worry. If Jesus tells us to not do something, and we do it, is that a sin? Should worry be a sin? Worry is a form of fear, and it must be recognized as such. The best remedy to worry is to deal with its causes, not its symptoms. What's the truth about feeling insecure and helpless and isolated? How can we overcome being worried or being anxious? We may feel insecure sometimes as Christians, but the reality is that we're very secure. Hebrews 4.16 Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. We can and should have confidence in God. While as Christians we may feel helpless sometimes, the reality is that we have great help. We turn over to Romans chapter 8, verse 31. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Over in the book of Psalm, chapter 27, verse 5. Psalm 27, verse 5. For in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent he will hide me, and he will lift me up on a rock. God is on the side of Christians and will look after them. While we may feel isolated sometimes, the reality is God is always at our side. A few pages back uh, before, Psalm 23, 4. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The remedy for being anxious and worrying is to have complete trust and confidence in God's ability to deal with anything that threatens us. And notice I said there, God's ability, not our ability. Sometimes it seems like that we can trust God with eternity, but we can't trust him with tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. Back in the Old Testament also, the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 7 and 8. Deuteronomy 31, chapter, chapter 31 of Deuteronomy, verses 7 and 8. Moses is there speaking to Joshua. Then Moses called to Joshua and to him inside of all of Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with these people in the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall give it to them as inheritance. And the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. God has been throughout the Bible with his children and he still will be today. Sometimes I think we're guilty of looking back to the Bible and saying, oh, God had a special relationship with these people, and maybe that's different today. It's the same today. The more we learn about God, the more we know his infinite power and his concern for us. As Christians, we have the avenue of prayer to ask God for his help. In 1 John chapter 5.14, 1 John chapter 5, 14. And this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Have you ever caught yourself worrying about something and then realized that you hadn't prayed about it? Or have you ever prayed about something that you were worrying about. And you went to God and prayed about it. And after that, you're still worried about it. That's not very smart on our part to do that. God has promised a peace of mind to those who are willing to commit their worries, their anxieties to him. Let's turn over to the book of Philippians. 
Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In the peace of God, which passes all comprehension, shall guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, in my translation, says, Be anxious for nothing. Well, that's going to cause us a problem, isn't it? Be anxious for nothing. But God, what about serious life-threatening health problems? What about losing your job? What about your marriage is in trouble? What about your kids who are disobedient? You don't know if you're going to make your mortgage. Your kid might not lose it to the next birthday. But we don't read any exceptions here, do we? Be anxious for nothing. I'm one of those people, when the Bible says something, I usually look for the simplest explanation. I know people that look for the most complex, complicated explanation. I'm not one of those. Be anxious for nothing. I'm guessing nothing means nothing. We can take practical steps to combat worry. We can read our Bible. Committing ourselves to God's safekeeping requires that we grow in our knowledge and God's love for Him. The most important thing we can do is pray, study the Bible, and meditate on God's promises to His faithful people. The book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 4. book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 4. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures that we might have hope. One of the things that we can do to worry less is to be realistic. Our peace of mind does not depend on solving all the problems. It does not mean we have to right all the wrongs. It does not mean we have to remove all the imperfections. And it doesn't mean that we are always going to get or need what we want. Back in the Old Testament, book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. Ecclesiastes, chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. When I gave my heart to know wisdom and to seek the task which was done on the earth, even though one should never sleep day or night, and I saw every work of God, I concluded that man cannot discover the work which has been undergone under the sun. Even though man should seek laboriously, he will not discover. And though wise men should say, I know, he cannot discover. God's ways are higher than our ways. God's purposes are higher than ours, and we cannot always understand God's ways and purpose. And that drives us crazy, doesn't it? We can't understand God's ways or purpose. We try to, but we can't. How come we can't? Because we're not God. His ways are higher than ours. Often life is not going to be the way we want it to be. 
The reality is that we have very little control over other people. You know, other people are sometimes our problems. But we have very little control of other people. And you know, the reality is we actually have very little control over ourselves sometimes, our own circumstances. We might get a serious disease or illness, no control over it. Might lose a job, no control over it. All your financial investments may go down the tank, no control over it. We like to think that we're independent, strong, and in control. We're not in control. God's in control. Some things will not change, and we be, need to be realistic enough to accept that. Sometimes people say that there's a solution to every problem, but that's really not true. I read an article in the paper the other day. The doctor told the parents of the two-year boy with cancer, your boy will be lucky to make it to Christmas. So they put up the lights, and they're giving him a present every day he wakes up till Christmas. They stop the medication. There's nothing else they can do. Is John Rathbun going? Yes. There are problems that have no solutions. There are situations that simply must be lived through. All sorts of trials, hardships, and difficulties. At Hayden School, I kept seeing this bumper sticker that said, I-G-B-O-K. I try to solve these things when I'm saying that. I-G-B-O-K. I don't know what it is. It's stupid. You guys ever do that? I don't know what it is. It's stupid. Um, so I got, one day I walked by the car and I got in the same print that said, it's going to be okay. I-G-B-O-K. It's going to be okay. The fact of life is it might not be okay in this life. If we serve God and faithful to him, it'll be okay in the next life. But it might not be okay in this life. And I don't know the cause behind the bumper sticker. I didn't go to the website. I don't know if they're religious or atheist or I don't know. Sometimes the art of being wise is the art of knowing what to overlook. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is in his glory to overlook a transgression. A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is glory to overlook a transgression. Well, there's a verse we could all uh, probably do a little better on. We need to have realistic knowledge of our own limitations that cause us to relax and slow down. Besides the noble art of getting things done, is the noble of art of leaving things Undone. You remember that book, that Mars, Venus, men, women stuff? Venus not here, so I can say this. Do they taste these? But, um, you want to fix it. I just want you to listen. She's right. I do want to fix it. And she's right. She just wants me to listen. Sometimes the best thing for Christians to do is to do nothing. We need to figure out what's important and what's not important. 
The wisdom of life consists in the elimination of non-essentials. We must let, learn to go, we must learn to let go of some problems and allow the Lord to be in charge of them. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all of your anxiety upon him, because he cares for you. Verse 7 said, casting all of your anxiety upon him, because he cares for you. But, you know, we really don't want to do that. Well, we might say we do, but we don't. We may cast it all on him, but then what do we do? We try to take it back and help it, make it go away, fix it. There's a saying that says, let go and let God. Of course, that's easier to say than to do. We want it our way. We want it on our time frame. I was channel surfing uh, one day at home. You know, you have kind of religious shows on TV all the time, not just on Sunday. And this guy was saying, uh, I usually stop even if I know it's, you know, real off the left field, I'll stop and listen to something. And his part was a kind of about this. He said, God is always on time. He said, God is never late. God is always on time. His time, not my time, not your time. God's always on time. He's never late. We can learn to be flexible. Change is inevitable, and we have to be resilient, adaptable, adjustable, under stress. If we can't bend, we will break. Our faith must be in him who does not change. God and Jesus are the same yesterday, today, and forever. There are some changes we ought to resist without compromise. Wisdom can tell us when to change and when to hold our ground. To help overcome worry, we can focus on good cares and minimize the unnecessary ones. Cares can be either good or bad. We need to focus on what are good cares. So what are some things that we should care about? Our salvation, the church, the spiritual welfare of our brethren, teaching the law, trying to go to heaven and try and take as many people we can with us. I never did like that saying when people say, well, when you get upset or worry something about it, ask yourself what matter a hundred years from now. I know what they mean. It always bothered me they said that. I'm like, look, other than going to heaven and church, you probably nothing matters from a hundred years from now. But, you know, there's, there's some truth in that. The hundred year test or an eternity test or the spiritual test, this is going to have eternal consequences. Bad cares might be things of the world that are much less important. We tend to become distracted by many relatively unimportant cares, and sometimes we don't care enough about the more important things. In Matthew 13,
Matthew 13, uh, there's a parable of the sower, verse 22, Matthew 13, 22. And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word. And the worry of the world, the world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The worry and cares about things of the world may cost us our soul. Often we worry about things that are not related to spiritual matters, but cares of the world, earthly, material, physical things. Physical things do not matter in the face of eternity. I guess I should have told this at the front. I'm doing this lesson for me. But I'm hoping it fits or helps some of you also. When the mind is distracted by many pursuits, it derives but little benefit from any of them. Really, only one thing is necessary. We're not going to turn over and read it, but you remember Jesus and Martha and Mary? Martha was worried and bothered about so many things, food and preparations and getting things ready. She had the Son of Man, Son of God in her house. But he told her a few things are necessary, but really only one. Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We all know that, but keeping that the number one priority in our life is difficult. It's hard for us to keep a spiritual focus sometimes. But we need to remember that we're just pilgrims passing through this land. This is not our home, and our citizenship is in heaven. We're a soul that happens to have a body. We're not a body that happens to have a soul. When we start to worry, we should ask ourselves, does this concern spiritual welfare? Does this have eternal consequences? If we gave that test to ourselves, we would worry a lot less. To help reduce our worries, we can learn to live one day at a time. Proper use of today diminishes worry or anxiety about tomorrow. The verse we read earlier, Matthew 6.34, Do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And to the part that says each day has enough trouble of its own, I say amen. I tease Dana sometimes that I care about things more than her because I worry about it more. This little weird game we play. Uh, that I care more because I worry more. She reminded me of something a while back, and she said, Mark, do you know almost everything bad that's happened in our life was stuff that we never saw coming, that we never worried about, that we never dreamed would happen? It came out of some left field, so to speak. Like a lot of things, she was right. There's a saying that says, anxiety or worry does not empty tomorrow of its worries or sorrows. It only empties today of its strength. 
many if most of our fears were turned out to be unfounded. There was a study that supposedly said 90% of what you worry about will not happen. I have no idea they came up with that percentage. I don't know if it's accurate. But I think from our own lives, we might look around and say, you know, a lot of stuff I worried about did not happen or didn't happen. Winston Churchill, who was Prime Minister of Great Britain during World War II, as the Nazis were running throughout Europe and taking over, he tried to hold his country together and did a fabulous job. He said near the end of his life that he had had a lot of trouble in his life, most of it which had never happened. Can't worry, we can stay busy. Worry and idleness often go hand in hand. Blessed is the person who's too busy to worry in the daytime and too sleepy to worry at nighttime. I came across a beautiful quote the other day. At least it was beautiful to me. I read to Dina. She said it was beautiful, so it's two people. Author Victor, Victor Hugo, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Les Mis, author, said, Have courage for the great sorrows of life and patience for the small ones. When you have laboriously accomplished your daily task, go to sleep in peace. God is awake. Much good can be accomplished even in adverse circumstances if we will quit concentrating on what cannot be done and focusing on what can be done. We need to learn contentment. That will help us worry a lot less. That was a lesson Paul learned. He talks about that over in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know not how to get, I know how to get along with humble means, for also I know how to live in prosperity. In eating every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. We need to be able to rejoice in the Lord and count our blessings. A discontented Christian might lose his soul because of it. There's examples in the Bible about the love of money, pursuing material blessings, laying up treasures on this earth. We need to learn like Paul and be content. Anxiety often comes from having too much rather than too little. We always say that America is the most rich country on earth. Depending on what you're looking at and measuring, that's not technically true always anymore, depending how you're measuring it. We're definitely in the top echelon of countries in the world that are rich. But let's just say for the sake of this presentation that we are number one, two, three, four, whatever, out of all the countries in the world. If we're one of the richest countries on earth, how come we have some of the most unhappy and discontented people on earth? Americans are chasing after materialism and possessions, but they can never have enough. 
but America can't figure those out. Those commercials that you see on TV, they're not doing those for the fun of them. They're doing those because they work to make people want to buy stuff, and after they buy that, they need something else. We cannot have our focus on material possessions in this life. Anxiety or worry will hinder our effectiveness as Christians. Our best cure for anxiety or worry is to turn our life over to God. The Bible tells us how to live a more peaceful and content life on this earth. It tells us the way of salvation. 